what a joy it is to be in God's house. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a joy to be together with other believers, with people that walk this life, people that struggle in life. Anybody here struggle in life? Am I the only one this morning that just seems to struggle in life sometimes? I know I do. I struggle sometimes in life. But there's one thing about it. Even in the midst of struggles, my God is still God, and He is still the place I can go to to find hope. I, want, I was wondering if uh, I'm not trying to take Larry's job by any stretch of the imagination. He does a much better job than I do, and he can sing better than I can. But would you help me sing a song this morning? Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet Hour of Prayer. That calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's house. Oh, make all my wants and wishes known. Sweet hour of prayer. Here's another one of my favorites. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, yes. Miss Juanita, you want to come up here and help me? No? Okay. 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 Um, what a friend we have in Jesus. Come on, choir. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a You sounding so good. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless things we bear. All because we do. Everything to God in prayer. I know you've probably heard that the family that prays together, finish it. The family that prays together stays together. Well, can I change that this morning just a little bit? The church that prays together stays together. Say that with me. The church that prays together stays together. That is a truth that we find in Scripture, but we often have a lot of questions about prayer and when it comes to church being together because we find ourselves sometimes uncomfortable, uh, afraid somebody's going to call on us to pray. Anybody in here just like, oh, please don't call on me to pray? Anybody? Great. Lee, I'm going to need you to pray at the end of the service today. <laughs> Lee said he's leaving early. No, Lee... I'm just, I'm just playing with you, man. You know, sometimes when it comes to being with people, we 
have a tendency to just listen to other people pray rather than pray along with them. What does that look like, Pastor? That means that whenever there's prayer going on, all you're doing is listening to someone else do the talking and you don't even engage in praying. But what do we do when other people are praying? Does it even make a difference? How do we pray together? Well, today we come to a very interesting and a powerful, I think, scripture that we find in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 today, where we find that there is a couple of the disciples, the apostles, John and Peter, who have found themselves in trouble with the people who are in charge. They have healed a man. Uh, and this man has been running around, and they've been trying to figure out what in the world's going on, and it comes out that it's because of Jesus. This man, these, these two men, Peter and John, after this man is healed, they're in the synagogue, and uh, the, the, the temple rather, and there are people gathering around them, and they took every opportunity they could to talk about Jesus. Well, the people in charge didn't like that, so they arrested them. And the long story short is they looked at Peter and John and they said, Look, we don't want you talking about Jesus anymore. Don't be telling people about Jesus. Don't be healing in Jesus' name. Leave Jesus out of it. In which Peter and John replied, Forget that. <laughs> That's my paraphrase. That they were going to have to continue because they were obeying God and following after Him. So we come to a place in chapter 4, verse 23, that they have been released from this uh, being in jail and being among these people. And in verse 23, we find that they have been released and they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They had heard that they no longer could talk about Jesus. They had heard that if they did, trouble was going to happen. They had heard that... Uh, it was not good to continue to do what they were doing. Why did these disciples just not go somewhere else? Why did they just not go home? Why did they go to their companions and report what was going on? Can I tell you? I believe it's because they needed the support of the church. They needed the support of the people. They needed to get together with the family and begin to pray. The unity of the church praying was a, was a significant part of this, not simply that they prayed, but that they were together praying. See, the together, the focus is, is much bigger and it's larger than if it was just an individual. I mean, Peter and John, they, they could have just said, you know what, this is a good sign, things have gotten hard, that it's just not the right season for this ministry, so let's just move on and do something else. Let's just retire, let's move out of town, let's go somewhere else where we're not going to get in trouble for talking about Jesus. But instead... Instead of running away, retiring, or saying that it's done, they go to other people and share with them what's going on, their hurts, their troubles, their fears, and they begin to pray. If Jesus was not real, if Jesus had not died on the cross, if Jesus had not raised from the dead, Peter and John would have just walked away. It wouldn't have been worth it. But yet, they wanted to stick with it. So they go to these people. Let's continue to reading verse 24. And when they heard this, they lifted their, vo their voices to God with one accord and said. See, 
here's the thing that I want you to grab hold of. This isn't just one of the most powerful prayers. It is a prayer that they were praying together. Now, did they repeat every word after one another? No, they did not necessarily do that. But what was going on is as someone was praying and as they were praying, they were in agreement. They were saying, yes, amen, absolutely, God, you are creator. God, you are Lord. Your word does say that. They were engaged in the act of praying. They were all together. And here's what I find great about it. Why are they praying? Why pray? Why pray? why not have a why, why not call together a committee and a committee to get together another committee to decide what's going to be the best form of action in dealing with this opposition to Jesus and what Peter and John needs to be doing. Why not do that? It's because they understood that if they were going to do anything effective for Christ, it had to begin with prayer because power is found in prayer. And if they understand it, we should understand it as a church. But unfortunately, churches don't. So let's read here. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices. And I love the visual of this. Lifted their voices to God with one accord. And said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The king of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Why pray? Why pray at this moment? Well, I can tell you the first thing is, is why pray together? Because there's purpose. There's a purpose that's bigger than me. There's a purpose bigger than just you. It was an overall arching purpose. See, they did not pray for deliverance from the circumstances, but rather they accepted them as from God with a purpose. There was a purpose in what was going on. See, it's real easy for us to say, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord Jesus, there's stuff going on, and you need to fix it, get rid of those people, move them out of the way. Oh, Lord, you need to pay my bills. You need, to, you need to fix my car. You need to make my house better. You need to make my family better so things will just make me happy. That is not what these disciples were praying. They were understanding, God, you are first and foremost. You are the one that created the heavens and the earth. Why start with that? Because it wasn't that God needed to know that. I mean, you do understand God understands he created the heavens and the earth and started all things. It wasn't so much that God needed them to say that, but they needed to say that themselves. Because when things look bad and impossible, the greatest thing we can do is to begin to pray and understand who God truly is. So they begin with this idea that, God, you are the focus of what we do. Warren Wiersbe said the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. There's a big difference in us trying to get God to do things our way and when we stop and say, God, have it your way. See, these people could have very well have been praying for these rulers to be stripped from their office, removed, and just taken away so the gospel can spread and we can freely do it without persecution, without it being hard. But that's not what they prayed. 
They just begin to pray and see God and see Scripture. Do you notice? I don't know what translation you have, but, but verse 25 and 26, all of 26 and part of 25 is a quote from the Old Testament. They're using Scripture in their praying. So they are praying to God. They are praying uh, about the Holy Spirit. They're using Scripture. They are focusing on God's purpose. Often we are more impressed with the greatness of our problem than the greatness of our God. I'm going to say that again because that needs to sink in a little bit. Oftentimes we're more impressed with the greatness of our problem than the greatness of our God. Shame on us. That's why when you begin praying and you begin to to start talking together, you are reminded because you may be feeling the lowest you have felt, but when you hear another brother or sister begin to pray and begin to say things like, Oh, Lord, it is you that made the heavens and the earth. You have begun time. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Then you are reminded, Whoa, wait just a minute. The greatness of God is much greater than the issues and problems of my life. God-centered prayers don't focus on the problems as much as they focus on God. God-centered prayers is centered on Him. Understanding that He's aware of the problems, and you can talk about the problems, and you can mention the problems, but whenever you are God-centered in your prayers, you understand that God's got power and He's got a purpose. A great man said, and I mentioned this Tuesday at his funeral, Joe T. Wood said that what if God has put something on you, it must be for your good. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't want the good that it might bring. We'd rather be happy. We'd rather be free of the trouble. But these disciples are faced with this issue that, man, are we next? Some of these people were moms dads, probably grandparents. They had children that they had to look in their eyes and children they had to feed and understand we may be next to be persecuted. Should I run away or should I just simply pray? Well, because they've come together and they're praying, there's a great and powerful thing that really begins to take place. See, in verse 28, whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur, whatever it is, God, your plan is, let it be your plan, and let me just help out the best I can. Let it be yours. You know what's going to happen. You know how this thing's supposed to go. Let me be obedient to you. Second thing about their praying is not just purpose but usefulness. They sought to be used by God and for God. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, I like this. It's okay to pray this. Take note of their threats. I mean, I like that one personally. Take note of their threats. That's all they say about the opposition there is take note of their threats. God, you jot it down a little bit. Make sure that you're aware of what they're doing. And grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. They weren't, again, not asking to be delivered, but to be given the ability to speak with confidence in the face of opposition and trouble and turmoil. 
God is in control even of your enemy. Your enemy may be cancer. Your enemy may be a bill. Your enemy may be what you think is might be your family or your neighbors, but that's not the enemy. We do have an enemy, and he's seeking to still kill and destroy, but my God is still greater than that enemy and any enemy that comes in our life. So we have to understand that even in the face of the toughness we can still be useful and effective for God when we pray like these men and women did. Grant that your bondservants, S, may speak your word with all confidence. Is it okay if I step on some toes this morning? It is not my job only to tell people about Jesus. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that you have hired me to do your job that God's called you to do in telling others about Jesus. Ooh, got quiet in here on that one, didn't it? This isn't simply, you don't pray, oh God bless the pastor today as he brings the word and then you don't share the word whatsoever the rest of the week because you think it's just my job to do that. I am here to tell you it is all of our jobs. And unless we're praying for one another to have confidence and boldness to be able to share Jesus, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to share Jesus. We're not going to be talking about our faith. We're not going to be living a life that is different. See, don't pray for an easy life. Pray not for the tasks to equal your power, but that God's power will equal any task that comes your way. My God is a mighty, powerful God. So they're praying to be used by God. How about you? How about us as a church, as a group, as a team? When we pray about God, use Chicopee Baptist Church to reach people for for you. Build your kingdom. Let us be useful. Are we in our hearts Hoping and praying it's everybody else sitting around you and not you yourself that has to get engaged in it. Shame on us if it is, but I know that many of you are praying. Praying for yourself to be used by God in this place, and there is plenty of opportunity for that to take place. The third thing that I think is just remarkable and I love about this is the experience. Not only is it purpose and usefulness, but there's an experience that they're praying for. Verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Not through the name of Peter and John, not through the name of the apostles, but through the name of Jesus. And not simply that... It's something easy, but it's signs and wonders and healings that will take place. In other words, they were seeking to experience God on a level that only God can do. Not simply just an emotional feeling in a moment, but a real sense of God moving. Prayer is never informing God but recognizing Him in light of what's going on in your life. Prayer moves us as much as it moves God to do something. 
See, they've prayed for God to be benefited and not themselves in this moment. God, we want to speak your word boldly. We want you to do signs and wonders and do healings so that your name, Jesus, is lifted up. It's not about them. It's about Jesus. Uh, Nothing else did they want except for Jesus. It wasn't about just doing what they normally have always done, not just a, a, a routine, but it was about Jesus. It's all about God because when you read through this prayer, when you read through this section, there is five verses, five verses about God, five verses about God, and only two verses that have a request. See, this is a God-centered prayer. But when it comes to praying, I mean, why church? Why don't why can't we just stay at home and pray? I mean, we can stay home and pray, right? I mean, God hears us no matter where we are. We can stay in our car. We can sit in the parking lot and pray and God hear us. Why come to church and pray? Because God-centered prayer with others increases my encounter with God and my effectiveness for Him. It increases my encounter with God and my effectiveness for God. See, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. You will never reach the potential God has for you in your life, in your Christian life, in your walk, until you're with other Christians because they help you and they encourage you. I'm encouraged every time these people are up here singing. When I sit in my office or I'm at home or I'm driving down the road and I listen to worship music, Man, I enjoy it. I love it. And sometimes I will get in that moment, and it's good stuff. But there's something about when I'm standing here hearing all of you sing too, that makes it something super special. And the same thing happens with prayer. When we pray together, there is a mighty powerful move that begins to happen within our hearts. And let me tell you, some of the most inspiring times I've heard in in prayer has come when I'm listening to someone else pray. Maybe it's one of our teenagers in our youth group that begins to pray or a child that begins to pray or someone in this room that, that you know, you normally don't hear anything from them and they don't say nothing because they're very quiet. But, boy, they open their mouth and they begin to pray and it's like, wow. They definitely commune with God. So your encounter with God is increased and you are encouraged to move forward and do great things for Him. See, that coming together is needed for the Spirit to really work and move. And let us look here at verse 30 and 31, because I haven't read 30 yet. While you extend your hand to heal, I did read 30. While you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. It does not say that they were shaken, but the place where they were gathered was shaken. Understand, they had been praying about an experience with God, and all of a sudden, the room begins to shake. Everything around them starts shaking. I guarantee you that in our churches today across this country, if the room began to shake in churches, people would run for the doors instead of fall on their knees and begin to praise God. If the room began to shake, we'd say, oh, no, there's an earthquake. We wouldn't even think it was a move of God. But these people understood. We have prayed for this. God is moving, and it's beginning to shake. It was a miracle. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. See, God is not going to show up and do something great just for your benefit to make you happy. He's not going to show up here at church and, and we have a great service just so you can be happy. And go, oh boy, that made me feel so good today. I felt so good when I left church. And then on Monday morning, you go out and use words you shouldn't use and you do things you shouldn't do and it not affects you at all. When you experience God, look at what these people did. They spoke the word of God with boldness because God had moved in their life. God had answered the specific prayer. God, let your servants speak your word with boldness. We can think that we're afraid to talk about Jesus. But if we begin to pray for that boldness, that boldness will come and we'll begin to share the Word of God. Let me share with you something that I have right here. This is actually from my desk in my office. This is a little, uh, a little shelf that sits in one of my drawers that I can use for like a little shelf and I can also use a drawer for a drawer. But on the very back of it, I have some very important things that I've come across, that I've written down, or someone has written for me. One of them is a note from one of my daughters that says, Dear Dad, I just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you today. But there is a white note right here. About a year and a half ago, it was during the week, and someone from Select Pest Control was here at the church. And he was in the office. And I want you to know, you want to talk about a man of God, that guy just stood there and preached to me. It was back before we had started the whole one heartbeat thing. It was just at the beginning of that, and it was kind of difficult. And, and he just began to talk. He had no idea what was going on here at the church. But he actually looked at me and he said, Now, Pastor, you're going to have to get along before, alone before you can talk to the other people. You've got to hear from the Lord. And I knew that. But it just reminded me I have to be intentional to hear from God. So I wrote that one down. But then he said something that rocked me that I did not want to forget that I wrote down. And it says this. Here's what I wrote. Until we come and seek the Lord together in prayer, we will never know one heartbeat, never be in one accord. I wrote that down so that I would never forget it. Knowing that one day I would share that note and say to you, there's a lot of great things going on here at this church. God is doing a lot of great things because we are in one accord. But until we come together to pray for one another intently and we come together and pray and seek God above all other things, God above answers to things going on in our life or someone else's life, we will never be in the one accord that we read about here in Acts. So we need to be praying for one another together. There's opportunities on Sunday morning early before Sunday school where we pray. There's opportunities on Wednesday night in our Bible studies and on Sunday mornings in our Bible studies. There are opportunities to pray together. Well, Pastor, I can pray at home. Just tell me what to pray. But it's different when you pray together with other people. 
We're not asking you to stand up and pray like one of the deacons or me or someone else. It's praying together that makes a big difference in your life and the life of everyone else. So what must I do? What must we do? I'm convinced that we must take prayers, praying with other people more serious. You may say, well, pastor, I'm here at every, every time that the doors are open and I'm always praying. Step up the game just a little bit more for yourself. Pastor, I don't, I don't come to any of the Bible studies, and I, I can't get here that early. I'm just asking you to just step it up a little bit. Wherever you are, just step up that level of praying together. If we want to continue to see this church grow as a family of God with one heartbeat to show the world that it may be chaotic in our communities, in our country, but at Chicopee Baptist Church there's unity, we have to pray together. Private prayer is very important. Please don't think... I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm saying that we shouldn't do that. I'm not. Private prayer is important, and we need to pray in our closets, but we need to pray together as a church as well. Look, I just read in Scripture where they did that last week. I read in Acts chapter 1 where they did that together as a group. So it's biblical to pray together as a group. They never made an assumption except for this. We have to continue to do the work of God that he's called us to do, and that is Jesus Christ as the focus of everything we do. People need to know about Jesus. That was their assumption. And regardless of what comes, God's power is going to help us and get us through it. So they prayed for boldness. They prayed for God to use them and for them to be effective. So here's my challenge to you. For the next seven days... At 1 p.m., because we want to be one heartbeat, right? At 1 p.m. Okay, you can thank me for it not being 1 a.m., okay? It's 1 p.m. Set your phone, set your alarm at 1 o'clock for the next seven days. Let's pray that we as a church will become bold in sharing our faith and that we will come together as one with Jesus being at the center. But we'll be bold in sharing our faith. We'll come together as one. Let me tell you something. If you want to throw in there a bonus prayer, pray that we experience God in a way in this room like we've never experienced Him before next Sunday. Pray that God will do a work, a sign, and wonder, a miracle in this place next week. So every day this week at 1 p.m., i tell you what, if you have an Android Okay, Google, set an alarm for 1 p.m. tomorrow to remind me to pray. By the way, my phone is doing it right now, and yours might be doing it in your pocket. I see it right now, pulling it up, setting the alarm. Okay, Siri, set an alarm for 1 p.m. tomorrow to remind me to pray. Now listen, if your phone goes off tomorrow at 1 p.m., you're going to know, oh, that pastor, he got me. But I would encourage you, please, as a church, can we do this together? We're not asking you to come here tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Wherever you are, if you're driving down the road, if you're in class, if you're at work, whatever you're doing at 1 p.m. when your alarm goes off, pray. Pray for boldness. Pray for oneness. Pray for God to do something that is beyond logic in this place.
right now what I would encourage you to do is this. This whole thing is about us praying together, and I I want Jake to come uh, back to the stage for a moment. There is a song that has just touched my heart and riveted to my soul called Nothing Else. And I have been listening to this song, and I have... I, my kids have to put up with me playing it in the car and playing it at home. And, and I walked in, I walked into Tacoa Falls College this Wednesday to their chapel, and you know what song was playing as soon as I walked through the door? Nothing else. The essence of this song is nothing else. All I want is you, Jesus. I'm sorry for coming and just making it something that I do. I'm sorry. All I want is you, Jesus. There's a line in the song that says, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Jesus, you don't owe me nothing. For all I want is you. So you know you have a weird, strange pastor that doesn't do things like everybody else. So here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. I want some of you to be bold enough This is a place of prayer. This is a song of prayer. I want you to be bold enough to come up here as we stand and join together as one and begin to sing this song together. Nothing else. We're not coming today for some kind of special blessing. We're not coming today that Jesus may do something. All we want right now is Jesus because I'm telling you, until we get to a place where all we can have is Jesus, we'll never get to a place where Jesus will have all of us. Nothing else matters except for Jesus. Father, I pray right now that our hearts will be turned to you. Lord, how I would want more than anything is to see this place shaken by your Holy Spirit. Father, revival will not come to this land until revival comes to our churches and to our homes and to our lives. And that will never happen until you are all that we want. So Lord, right now, Prepare our hearts and our minds to just move everything out of the way. The worries we have. The fears that have crept up. All the troubles that just seem to run rampant in our minds and the things we need to do and the busyness of our life may be stripped away right now. May we come together and just pray for nothing else but you. We pray this in Jesus' name.